Good morning, everyone. Welcome to worship. It's good to see everybody. For the times we're living in, this is like a mega church right now, you know? I can't believe how many people are here. But we're all here in the name of Jesus to worship him together. We also welcome everybody who's worshiping from their living room uh, with one another. And I bless you as well. I have a passage that I preached on this past summer that was very meaningful to me and has been speaking to me over, the, over these months. This is from 1 Thessalonians 5. It says, live at peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen? I really have felt that God's, God was speaking to me this morning in a way that I just uh, felt like I haven't heard from him in a, in a little while in regard to the worship service and his availability to anyone who reaches out to him today. God, Jesus is here to serve those who are seeking to serve him. Just like when he cleaned his disciples' feet around the, around the table, the Holy Spirit is among us, and seeing your face is just the body of Christ coming together, all the parts, and God is here, and God is faithful, and will do what he promises. He will sanctify us. He will hold us to the end. So we are to rejoice continually, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances right now. Jesus said, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Father God, this morning we recognize the unseen in the natural realm, but the reality nonetheless, that you have given us your Holy Spirit. That in you, each of us has a deposit of the Spirit of Christ to guide us into all truth, to reveal to us the words of the Father, to comfort us, to strengthen us, to remind us of your words, and to help us to put them into practice and to be your disciples. For each person here, Lord, this morning, I pray that your spirit would rise up within them, God. That the, you would burn in our hearts, God. And that you would make known to us the words of the Father, the provision and strength to follow. 
I pray this for your people this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. During that time of worship, that was such a blessing. I, I was thinking about the words of Christ, you know, the red words that we're reading in the Bible. We're in Matthew 5 to 7 in the Sermon on the Mount. It's pretty much just all of the words of Jesus. And hard sayings, some difficult, challenging sayings and, and uh, commands where Jesus is saying, uh, we're not here to throw the law away. I'm here to tell you what the law is really about. I'm here to refine it and to tell you what's underneath it so that you can follow God more faithfully. And it's, 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 a, it's a real challenging portrayal of, of following him. I was thinking about a time when Jesus shared with the, with the crowd that was following him that unless they ate his flesh and drank his blood, they could have no part in him. And because that seemed like a really offensive idea uh, to that crowd, which, well, it should, you know, many people walked away, not understanding that Jesus was talking figuratively about his taking in himself for salvation and life. Um, there was an offense at Jesus' words, and he didn't really make, a, make an effort to explain what he meant before the crowd, many of the people in the crowd walked away. But for those who stayed behind, they got to experience God, the provision of God's presence and his power in Jesus' body and blood, not just his death and resurrection, but his life living with them in that moment. Those people got to sit around a campfire with Jesus at night and hear his words to them and to, to even experience his touch in their lives and his comfort, his strength, lift, lifting them up and helping them. And, uh, and that is the promise with these hard teachings of Jesus from Sermon on the Mount, that if you stick with Jesus and you don't walk away just because something seems hard or impossible, that you will find that what's impossible with men is possible with God, and Jesus himself will be your provision. Jesus will be there not only to instruct you on how to live, like in the sermon, he'll be there to, to help you do it, to, to fill you by his Holy Spirit, to live a different kind of life to express the true humanity that God intended in the world before everything got messed up by sin, to be fully alive, fully human, living life, as Jesus says, to the full, not just existing. So if we don't turn away, if we keep following Jesus, we will find a gift of his presence and his actual strength, comfort, and grace to do the things he calls us to. So the time is not to lower the bar on following Jesus. The time is to raise the bar and stick with Jesus, because it's in him that we're able to do this stuff, to live this life that God's called us to. So I, uh, today, we're going to be looking at Matthew 5, and we're going to be in a short section, uh, verse 33 to verse 37. But Before we get into that uh, teaching, I would actually like to pray that God would speak to us and work in our lives as we hear these challenging words of Jesus and that we would be comforted with, with the presence of, of the Holy Spirit to know that we can, if we choose to take him at his word, he will meet us and help us. So Lord, I lift up your people. We, we thank you for the gift of the scriptures, of your living word, Jesus Christ, who is living and active in this place right now. I pray that we would hear your words uh, as, as both a conviction, a challenge, an inspiration, but then the comfort of knowing that you're with us to fulfill them to find the life that you've called us to in Jesus. And so I, I pray for your people today over our ears, over our minds and our hearts. As we come to your word, we grasp the deeper meaning of what you're trying to say to us this morning. 
In Jesus' name, amen. So before we get into Matthew 5, 33 to 37, I want to take a quick look at a couple Old Testament passages that will give us the proper background to understand the mindset of the people that heard Jesus' teaching. And uh, those two passages uh, are Deuteronomy 5.11. Deuteronomy 5 is where the, where the Ten Commandments are, when Moses came down the mountain with God's Ten Commandments. And Numbers 30, 1-2, uh, as Moses is instructing the tribes of Israel. So the first, the first verse, Deuteronomy 5.11, Moses shares the second commandment of God for God's people. He says, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Very serious. So serious that uh, you know, people went to great lengths to not even say the name of God for fear of breaking this law. Do not misuse, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. The second passage in Numbers 30, 1 and 2. Moses said to the heads of the tribes of Israel, This is what the Lord commands. When a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to obligate himself by a pledge, he must not break his word, but must do everything he said. When a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to obligate himself by a pledge, he must not break his word, but must do everything he said. These two, these two passages form the backdrop of Jesus' very sobering teaching in Matthew 5.33-37, talking about oaths, something we don't think about too often, but in a deeper way, talking about truth-telling and being people of truth. So let's read together. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot even make one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Another translation of that, that evil one is to say from, from, from evil. It's just an evil place, whether it's in your own heart, your own flesh, which, which I, I suspect it often is, or from the enemy, Satan. Anything beyond yes and no comes from evil, comes from a bad place. So in Jesus' teaching, as you could probably notice, we hear an echo from Moses in Numbers where he says, if you make a vow, you make sure you fulfill that vow. It's very important. And we also hear uh, the, the mention of you know, not misusing the name of the Lord our God like in the Ten Commandments. But as with all of Jesus' teachings, he, he focuses those two ideas from the Old Testament and he deepens the commandment to show us what is underneath those teachings in order to set that bar really high for his followers, for his disciples. And uh, all of us here are disciples of Jesus. We're all trying to follow Jesus uh, together, and so this applies to us directly, this high bar of this passage. Our passage today about oaths, about being people of truth, it comes right on the heels of last week's teaching on adultery and divorce and functions like this bird's-eye-view commandment. 
helping us to see uh, the deeper piece of both of those teachings. Today's teaching is really not just about oaths, which sounds like something kind of foreign to us in our modern context, but today's teaching is really about truth-telling. It's about truth-telling and the importance in the heart of God of truth. Just as the marriage covenant is not to be broken by Jesus' disciples, except for in the most extreme situations of marital unfaithfulness, so honesty in all of our words should be totally binding on the disciple who says them every time and without exception. This is how we are supposed to function in terms of the truth. So just as we said, saw in our passage last week, as every person is, is, is not to lust outside of the person that God's given to them and their spouse, so the disciple of Christ is to be absolutely faithful to God in their words and in truth-telling. It's a, faith, it's a covenant faithfulness that God's calling us to. And for Jesus, there has to be a full correspondence between what a disciple of his says and what a disciple of his does. In this way, Jesus' disciples, all of us, mirror our Father in heaven who always does what he promises, without exception. Who does not change, as the author of Hebrews says, or James, like shifting shadows. God is utterly consistent. And we are supposed to mirror his faithfulness in the way we tell the truth. So let's read this passage again. Again, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. It can be heard in this teaching from Jesus that in his day, words were being, they, they were being messed with. There were approximations of truth happening. And there was this sort of sense of what you swear on is how you determine whether this is a true word. So if I, if I just tell you something, that's not good enough. I have to swear by something bigger than myself in order to let you know that I'm actually being truthful this time. It's a, it was a slippery kind of scenario in which Jesus is introducing this, this uh, truth. So people are, it says, swearing by heaven, swearing by earth, swearing by Jerusalem, getting more and more imaginative, and finally, swearing by oneself that they're telling the truth. So Jesus really counters this, what I call, it's a moving target of truth. It's a moving target of truth uh, by requiring that his disciples bear ab absolute testimony of truth in everything they say, whether they say yes or no. For Jesus, there has to be a correspondence between what we say we're going to do and what we end up doing. The whole goal is that no one should ever think through an interaction with one of Jesus' disciples that that disciple is unreliable. A disciple of Christ is, is someone that's known to speak the truth always. So Jesus' followers are told, don't take oaths at all. Forget about swearing by heaven or by earth or by your head. Just stop with the whole oath thing altogether. Don't add flowery language connecting your promises to God or a higher reality in some way. When you speak as a disciple of Christ, May it be that people are automatically understanding that you're speaking the truth and that you will do what you say you're going to do. It's very stark. So what's at stake with this? I mean, this seems like, again, 
Sometimes something that, that, that is minor to us, sometimes we breeze by a teaching like this, but it's so important to Jesus. What's at stake? When Jesus' disciples do not do what they say they're going to do and don't live by the truth, it cheapens the way that disciple sees God and God's faithfulness. It's very damaging to even yourself. So when, when you have a moving target of truth, and when you say things that you don't do, it actually hurts you, first and foremost. It damages even your ability to see God clearly and what he can do in, in, in your life. And secondly, if Jesus' followers cannot keep their word, then it makes everyone else around them, whether on a conscious or unconscious level, doubt God, who is utterly faithful to his word. It damages the person who sins and not telling the truth and not keeping their word, and it damages other people as well. There's a huge fallout. Yes, according to Jesus, has to mean yes. Exactly yes. And no must mean no. Nothing further. This commandment to Jesus' disciples that they are to tell the truth always is a direct reflection of God's character, which we read earlier in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, where it says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord, Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. May it be said of every disciple of Jesus, if that person says they're going to do it, they'll be faithful to do it. Because that's what our God does. God is absolutely faithful to what he says he will do at all times. And we have to be like him so that we can all experience and trust God as we should from inside of our own self to the, to the people around us. The more reliable we are, the more we rely on God, the more others who interact with us will rely on him as well, who is absolutely faithful in everything always. Jesus is also countering the problem in his day of religious people who are trying to avoid swearing by God's name so they're not technically breaking the Ten Commandments. You shall not take the Lord of your name, God's name in vain. So they began swearing on lesser things than God in order to get out of using God's name. So they started swearing on, on heaven. You know, I'm not using the Lord's name in vain. I'm swearing on heaven. I can't, I'm not technically wrong here. Or swearing on earth. You know, I'm not technically doing anything wrong. I'm just I'm swearing by the earth, you know, or swearing on Jerusalem. So these, uh, so religious folks had kind of bypassed the, the absolute requirement for truth in a disciple and not making oaths and said, you know what, we're, we're not going to take God's name in vain, but we're going to swear on just about everything else we can imagine right down to our heads. So still, our word is not good enough. Jesus, and as religious as that sounds, as holy as that sounds to say, Something like, oh, I swear on the Bible, or I swear on heaven, or I swear on earth. Jesus is not okay with that, those kinds of shenanigans. <laughs> it's just not. You know, he says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything beyond that comes from the evil one. Your, tr your word has to be enough. I'm not okay with a moving target of truth. So again correspondence between what a believer or disciple says and what they do is of utmost importance. And if you know that you might not be able to fulfill an obligation, just say no or just say, I don't know. We'll talk at a different time. That's very important. As much as this idea of swearing an oath seems like an alien concept to us in, a modern, in the modern day, if you really get to the bottom of what Jesus is saying in this passage, 
he's definitely talking about being a truth person. He's talking about you, know, you say yes, you do it. When you say no, you don't do it. And anything beyond that is unacceptable. As we said, this command not to swear oaths looks like Jesus deepening, really, the second commandment, do not misuse the name of the Lord, your God, not taking the weight of God's glorious name to add it to your words in order to make them validated because your words are not enough in themselves. Not saying, I swear on God's name because in doing this, you're taking your feeble track record of, of not telling the truth, adding God to it to make it credible. It's just a misuse of God's name. It's adjusting truth. It's making truth into that moving target. So once again, you know, we are being challenged by Jesus and by the Holy Spirit within us to take this commandment of Jesus about oaths and truth-telling utterly seriously and to run it like a grid across our lives and see if there's any false way in us. Just because it seems like a small thing many times to us doesn't mean it's a small thing. And uh, I think that we're, the reason we don't take it seriously is because of our own, our own sinfulness, our own flesh and how we try to wiggle in and out of different things and, and inconsistencies in us. But God says, look Jesus' teaching right in the eye and use it to measure your life. Use it as a, as a template for transformation, you know? Use it as a template for transformation. In what ways does Jesus' challenge here, if I'm, if I'm desiring to follow Jesus, in what days, ways does his challenge to have my words correspond with truth, uh, in what ways does that upset the way I live my life, upset the decisions I make and how I choose to uh, conduct myself? And then, as we stick with Jesus, we have Jesus' presence, power, and the work of his Holy Spirit in us to help us become a person of truth. Even if we are missing that mark really bad right now, we all have the strength of God to begin living in a different kind of way. I think that if you take this commandment to not take an oath, but to simply have your yes mean yes and your no mean no, if you take this to heart, this is the kind of thing that's very simple, but it will transform your life. It will transform you from one type of person to another type of person. How many of you have known someone that was just utterly honest? Like, you're just surprised by how honest they are. I mean, I, I have some people in my life where I, I just know they, they're, they're doing something in an odd kind of way. I know the reason because they're trying to keep their word. And it's just such a, such a refreshing and amazing thing and very convicting as well. I read, um, I read a story about a man who had a Little League and... They had like, like a batting and swinging and pitching practice all summer for three hours in the afternoon, Monday through Friday. And there was, a, there was a time when there was this huge heat wave that happened. And so many of the parents kept their kids at home and kept them away from that heat. But because this man, who was a, who was a believer, had said, we're doing five days a week, three hours in the afternoon, he was there every day during those times, and, and, and regardless of the, of the temperature and the heat, and he personally wrote a check from his own checkbook to compensate the parents who's left their kids out for the time that they had missed, because he said, my word was three hours, five days a week. It's just such an odd thing. No one expects that kind of, thing, kind of honesty in the world. It's incredibly refreshing that, you know, you think to yourself, if I choose to keep my kid out of here, that's my own fault, so I need to pay 
the price for that. But the man of truth said, no, here's a check for the days that you missed, and we're still out here if you want to join us on those days. I just think that's such a refreshing type of story, the kind of person that when they say yes to something, uh, you, you have the full confidence that they're going to follow through. And when they say no to something, you, you have the confidence that that is not something they're going to be doing. I think it's very uh, telling and very refreshing. And I think it's something that transforms people and societies to be around people like that. And these are the kind of people that Jesus is, tr- is calling us to be. He's not calling us to be the type of person that says, I'm not, I'm not supposed to swear in God's name, so I'll swear on everything from heaven to Jerusalem to the hairs of my head that I'm telling the truth. Or I'll try to find a loophole to following Jesus' absolute requirement for honesty. But he wants us to be the kind of people that take his teaching seriously, at, faith, at face value, who listen to the Holy Spirit as, as he gently convicts us, not to make us feel bad, but to show us where we need to grow, and then strengthen us to begin putting his word into practice. Just like I said last week, I think there is just so much grace for everybody that sticks with Jesus. The temptation is to take a hard teaching like this uh, and say, you know, let's, let's, this is not realistic. Let's do something a little bit more realistic for God's people. It's just going to make everyone feel bad. But the reality is that God wants to convict us to show us how we are not being people of truth. And then he wants to change us into a new creation in Christ, to be a new kind of person altogether, to be as God intended Adam and Eve to be in the garden before sin entered the world. That's what Jesus is all about. He's making us a new creation and transforming us. And we have to be exposed to the truth in order to turn and receive grace from God. This is how it works. This is the deeper life. And for everyone that sticks with Jesus, everyone that doesn't walk, or walk away when the teaching is too weird or, too, or requires too much, Jesus offers his presence, his power, and his pastoral leadership in washing our feet and helping us, in filling us with his spirit, in pointing things out, in leading us to repentance so that we can walk in the new way of life and live life to the full. So today... Jesus deepens the meaning of swearing oaths, which was such a popular thing to do in his day, and says, just don't do it at all. Just let your word be yes if it's yes, and no if it's no. Anything beyond that comes from the evil one, comes from an evil place. I'm very, very proud. You know, I think I've been a, an eBay seller and buyer since 1998 or 1997. I have like 300 transactions on there, and I have 100% satisfaction. I'm just waiting for that to be destroyed, you know? But I take great pride in this idea that I honor people, I get things to them as fast as I can, I refund money if something's broken or exchange something. That's something I have great pride in. And, you know, we we say this seller is is a five-star A++ rating person. And I think that in this area of truth, Jesus wants us to be five-star, A++, always ships quickly, refunds appropriately, gives a good product, like what you see is what you get. Excellence. Isn't this why we love a business where what is promised to us is what is actually delivered to us? We say, that was a good value. That feels so good, so refreshing. The truth of the menu was so refreshing to me. The truth of this device and what it can do you know, it wasn't just a sales pitch, but it really did what it said. 
And I think when Christians really do what they say, it's a refreshment to the world, and it's a refreshment, refreshment to one another, and it's a refreshment to ourselves. Because something about being a person of truth who says yes only when they mean yes and are going to follow through with it, or no when they mean no, something about that brings a healing to our internal person and to our communities because we are organic people you know, together in Christ, in the body of Christ. Something about that makes us trust God. And something about untruth makes us not trust God. God's always trustworthy, but people whose parents are abusive to them or people that experience neglect, people that experience people saying one thing and doing another, you know, it damages their ability to receive from our steadfast Father. And so some of us, you know, we have to every day read passages from, from the Bible that say the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies are new every morning as like a mantra, you know, as a, as a meditation because we are so broken from the lack of correspondent truth in our lives, from people saying yes, but then doing no. And I think there's something so healing about being an A++, 100% awesome truth keeper in God's kingdom. Something beyond just being a goody-two-shoes. It's, a, it's healing to the community. It's healing to the world. It's healing to us. Because we're trying to apprehend the God who said, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. And that's in regard to sanctification. This word means setting your life apart and, and saving you and making you into a new creation and, and walking with you. This, this word sanctification, the one who called you is faithful. He will do it. How refreshing is that sentence? The one who called you is faithful. He will do it. And then someone looks at you and how you conduct yourself. And, and people just around that person know. They said they would be there. They will do it. And they will do it well. What a refreshing and refreshment to the world. So Jesus says, just chuck it. Chuck oaths. Forget about the religious tendencies to... You know, swear on your mother's grave or swear on the Bible or swear on heaven and just let your yes be yes and your no be no. And I will tell you, I will take this as far as if I'm in a court of law, I'm going to ask not to swear on the Bible. I'm going to say, I'm a Christian and so I'm going to tell you the truth and see what I can get away with. Because seriously, who are we supposed to be swearing on? I mean, we're not supposed to swear on anything but to be people of truth. That's, that's a whole idea. And I'd love to let you know how that goes if I ever get jury duty or something. But through and through, you are not the moving target of truth, but you are hitting, hitting the bullseye. Um, and, and of course, you know, there, we all, sometimes we, we, are, we project that we are going to perform better than we actually end up performing, and we say yes too quickly. I think, I think it's just about taking seriously, looking at yourself, looking at what you can do, looking at the time you have, and, and counting the cost before you say yes or no, you know? So if I say, you know, I'd like, you know, I, I need, Jason, I need you to, like, greet people at church at 10 o'clock every Sunday. You've got to be there three out of four Sundays every month. Um, he, his heart's going, yeah, I want to serve the church. I want to do this. But if he says yes too quickly and then he's not able to do it, that's no good. So it's, it's just about counting the cost. Of course, that's a fictional situation. You don't have to do that, uh, especially not during COVID, you know, but... The greeting ministry is taking a big hit during COVID, you know. Um, <laughs> but it's about counting the cost. So, even, so like when even, you know, in the church and outside the church, in your family unit, what husbands and wives agree to with one another. You know, what we, the agreements we make with our children about what we will do for them. I mean, it gets complicated the more kids you have. And you have to, you have to count the cost. What can I do? And I think that once you do the work of really 
being bound by your word, you just are more reflective. You say no better. You know, all the, all the leadership books are like, you know, the power of saying no makes you more productive in the things you say yes to. That's a spiritual, inviolable principle from God. It's, it's a great discipline to be a Jesus person whose yes means yes, whose no means no. He stays away from that evil place where we, we think we can do more and we don't count the cost and we end up letting people down in a way that uh, is damaging to them and to us. So, so Jesus says, just be true, through and through. Another uh, way to think about this, in a, in a way that has occurred to me as I've been reflecting on this passage over the last couple of weeks, is this idea of God's presence in, in the everyday mundane decisions that we make. He talks about not swearing on heaven, not swearing on the earth, not swearing on Jerusalem, not swearing on your head. And the whole idea of people swearing on these various things was to get some distance between them and God so they couldn't be accused of saying, oh, I swore an oath to God, then I broke it. Now, I only swore the oath to heaven. It wasn't God, you know? These approximations of truth and kind of wiggling uh, in their theology. But the point that Jesus makes is, you, you think you're, you're evading swearing in God's name and thus fulfilling his command by saying you swear on heaven? But guess what? Heaven is God's throne. He's there too. So when you swear on heaven, you're swearing on God, whether you know it or not. Or what about the earth? No, surely God's not there. You know, it's the earth. No, it's his footstool. You can't avoid God's presence on the earth. Well, what about Jerusalem? It's just a city on the earth. No, that's a city of the great king. God's anointed. When you swear on Jerusalem, you're swearing on God then too. And finally, we really think we're safe. Okay, then I'll just swear on my head. And even there, God's presence is. You can't make a hair on your head white or black. Well, you can with dye now, you know. It's, maybe we've got to update the Bible. But, you know, you can't... Look how sovereign God is. Look how, look how involved God is in every slice of anything that we can imagine. From the galaxies that are spinning and mysterious to the deepest part of the ocean to the earth to the cities, to the people, right down to your head, God's presence is everywhere. And finally, that is the reason that we are called to be people of truth. Because when you say yes, you are saying yes with, the, with God's presence in your head that belongs to God. And God is, God is there. And for the things that you are supposed to give your yes to, God's, God is there, just like the people who didn't walk away from Christ when you gave a hard teaching. God is there to help you do it the work of the Spirit, to reveal truth, to guide into all truth, to convict the world of sin, to remind of everything Jesus commanded us, to comfort us, to help us. The helper is what the Spirit is called. So for those, uh, for whether you're saying yes or no to something that seems mundane or something that seems incredibly important and high commitment, the recognition is that God is everywhere, so let your word be good enough. Let there be a correspondence between your yes and a real yes that you live with your whole life, or a no, and a real know that you live with your whole life. Those things are so important. So the disciple of Jesus should live in this reality that God is present in them and, and everywhere in the world. And everything we, should, we do and every decision we make should assume God's presence and activity in us and around us. And because of that, especially because of that, there needs to be a one-to-one -one correspondence between our words and then what we end up doing. It's very important.
So the, the challenge from the scripture uh, this morning, I think, is just to take, a, as the, they say in Alcoholics Anonymous, a fearless inventory of your life. And then really think about, you know, your yeses and your noes in your life. Uh, I know that a lot of things have just been a big no during COVID, but many people have said that that's actually been very helpful to them because they ha- they, they're not the type of people that are able to say no. So COVID's forced them to say no, and they've actually found good stuff in that. But in everyday life, we have, to, we have to think about our commitments. The big ones, we've made some big yeses. We've committed to communities. We've committed, committed to marriages. We've committed to families and to church, to our church body, to our place of business. We've committed and given a big yes to those places. But then there's the, the small yeses uh, and the small no's in the smaller parts of our life that seem inconsequential. But even in those places, God's presence is there and God is expecting us to correspond our yeses and our noes to what we actually do. So in, in, in which big picture yeses do we need to stop neglecting those yeses and fulfill the obligation that we have, the, really the promise we made to people in this world and to the Lord and, and follow through on those big yeses? What are those, some of those little yeses that you've made that probably should have been noes because you're not doing them? And you need to... We need to repent. We need to go back and say, I didn't count the costs. I need to, I need to go back. I need to fix this. And at the end of the day, that we can be a people who, when our, we, our yes is yes, our no is no, no more approximations of truth, no more moving targets, no more scaling of words with bigger and bigger promises that we're swearing by, but just 100% A++ seller and buyer because it's much more important than an eBay reputation, how you live your life. It's either, it's either helping you or it's hurting you. It's either helping your community or it's hurting your community. It's either helping the witness of Christ in the world or it's damaging it, right? So let's do an inventory of our lives and just, this is one of those things where I could not tell any one of you what this looks like for you. This is a real Holy Spirit points it out and you follow situation. And the promise is God will help us to follow through in our commitments. Um, I'm going to invite Julie forward to lead us in a closing song, but I wanted to uh, close with, um, I, I was saying it jokingly, but Jesus' brother James wrote about this concept as well, and James is much more blunt. I call him James Blunt. James 5.12, he, he, he writes the same thing that Jesus did in case we were wondering if Jesus was serious. He says, above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you'll be condemned. Pretty straight up truth, you know? The brother of Christ heard him talking about this, apparently, and uh, he agrees. Let's be a people of truth. We are all drinking from the fire hose of Jesus' teaching together. There's a lot that needs to happen, but maybe your prayers, like mine was as I stood to worship just now. I know I need help in this area. Help me. Help me to do this, Jesus. Help me, to, help me to walk in your truth, in the truth. Let me pray for us as we close today. Father, I pray for your people. We want to be a people sanctified by you. And we know that you're the one who called us and you promised to do it. So we trust you and we trust your work. I pray, Lord, that we would fearlessly go after the parts of our lives that are not corresponding to our words. We'd live up to the things we've said yes to. And we'd say no to some things that we shouldn't have said yes to. And we grow into a people of truth who are 
good for both ourselves and for the people around us. That the, the kingdom of God, the mustard seed kingdom would sprout among us as we simply follow your word by your spirit. And for every person here, I pray that they would be reminded of the helper, that they are not alone. This is not a do better to try harder uh, situation, but it's, it's a, where we are faced with something so stark, so black and white, but then we have a person holding our hand and helping us. So we do agree with that song, lead me on and I will follow after you. We need you to lead us. We need you to help us. And so we look to you for that. I pray your blessing on your people, Lord. I pray for every, every person here for safety, uh, for peace, for help. Whatever people are going through here, Lord, I pray your grace would meet them on the road. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dispersed. Go and be the church.